Welcome and thank you for tuning into Organ and the official podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data insights and change. According to a recent Gallup poll, millennials are the least engaged generation in the workforce. They're more likely to job hop, and it's predicted that the U.S. economy loses on average $3.5 billion from millennial-related turnover. According to a recent Deloitte study, a majority of millennials from around the world felt that companies don't behave ethically and that most companies have no ambitions beyond just wanting to make more money. On this episode, we'll explore the underlying social context responsible for these shifts and debate whether or not this is a good or bad thing. We invite you to join our table. Let's discuss. From the East Coast, we have myself today, uh, Carl. And joining us from the West Coast, we have... Hey there, Casey. And Courtney. Casey, take it away. Thanks. Um, so I found this really interesting article uh, written by Mark Louis from theladders.com. And in the article, he talks about how there's a disconnect between millennials and baby boomers because of uh, the work expectations. And essentially what they're saying is that uh, millennials are entering you know, a professional world where the realities no longer match the realities that baby boomers uh when they came into the, the workforce and during their time it the the overriding um, sensibility of working was that you work hard for the same company and in return you get stability and growth and now it's not the case um, so millennials in some sense are reacting to the reality of ever-changing technological world and the, the you know um, the low job security and so they're doing anything they can to maintain a professional grade and they're not so eager to stay with the company. So on the outside, it looks like they're lazy or they have ADD or they don't work hard enough, but the reality is that's opposite, not the case. So I thought this article was really interesting and I wanted to share with you guys to see what your thoughts are relating to the expectations and how much you agree or disagree with it. So is it, do you think Casey that industry responded to millennials? by creating conditions that would make them like not want to stay for that long or is it the other way around like are millennials responding to the industry because you know these days if you do stick around in the same organization let's say depending on on you know the company they're not going to give you like a perpetual five to seven percent compounding um pay increase year over year if just for staying there you know what i mean like there, yeah. there's now been like this development of what's known as the entry level job, quote unquote, where you kind of go and you stick around for just a little bit, gain experience and then hop somewhere else. But I also think that it's beneficial for an employer to have these entry level jobs because you can expect a lot out of somebody who doesn't have an experience or they're, they're very happy about having a, a, a job to begin with. They're high producers, they're, they can stick around for longer periods of time, and then they're going to leave. So they're not going to um, ever be like a liability when it comes to, um, and, and I say liability like in an accounting way, that they're not going to be like a, a liability with um, having to pay like high pensions or anything like that or any sort of health benefits because people are not going to tend to stick around that long anyway. Yeah, I, I going back to your original thing, I think the factors that are influencing this are beyond the industry and millennial control. I think it just happened. Um, well, um, why are jobs, why is there such a high turnover rate to begin with? That's my first question. 
Um, I think it's more of immediacy. Like, I feel like people have so many options nowadays that if there's something that's more competitive, then they're more willing to jump because of how the skill set is. Because I think the younger generation grew up where they had to change to have more of the technical skills like coding and programming and engineering and all that stuff, where now they're a hot commodity. So they're allowed to jump from job to job because why not if you're going to get a raise by leaving your current company and going somewhere else. And I think it takes them to be comfortable with what they're making to finally like understand maybe now it's the time for me to focus more on the leadership instead of how much is going into my bank account, because that really ties back to your personal well-being. But at the same time, if someone's showing you a higher dollar sign, I can see how it's more enticing for people like straight out of college. And uh, that's a really good point. And also, you you get a higher pay bump when you switch to new jobs than you do when you're staying. And I saw this in my old boss, and I saw this in me too. Like. The company has a bottom line for how much they can give you promotion, and that's always less than how much you could make if you switch to a better position in another company. Yep, yeah. I agree. Um, well, so it's like a give and take because theoretically you would also have to balance out like how many times that company does a review versus the company you're currently at how like fulfilling is it actually to work at that company versus not but i think people do jump ultimately because everyone jumps nowadays so mm -hmm. at least in like the agency world you'll notice people leave from uh oh sorry one second yeah that's all right so then i'll i'll answer um part of part of your question or i guess kind of like what was prepared in the in the opening like in terms of whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing i'm not sure that it's like a good thing per se um because at the end of the day i mean you know i i see how in the intro we said that millennials care about companies behaving ethically but i don't buy that to be honest like i think i think that they'll do that if it's convenient for them and if they're happy in the with the employer they'll elevate all the things that are righteous about this employer but i mean if they're paying you well enough then you know whatever it's kind of like you know facebook yeah they're so great they link everybody to everyone else and we can communicate better con mm, what happened with the the data scandal right that was pretty unethical but you do you see people like marching out of facebook and youtube and all these tech companies and stuff no i mean you know like we work for institutions and the institutions pay us and that's it. And then deg the degree of like, you know, ethics, like you're not going to be an investigator of the organization trying to find out like whether or not their their records clean or not. You know, when you go and you work for an employer, they run a background check on you, not the other way around. And you can choose like which employers to um, to apply to. But there's no guarantee that you're going to get that job anyway. So you might end up working for I don't know, like a slaughterhouse if you're a vegan, you know what I mean? And if it happens that way and you got to do that because you have to make money, then then that's the way it's going to be until you're able to work for another organization whose values more closely align to yours. Oh, my God. I can't believe you use that metaphor because my aunt became a vegan because she worked for a slaughterhouse. And she's like, that's the reason why she would never eat meat again. Mm -hmm. And that's 
exactly what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but I do look at companies as a, from an ethics standpoint when I apply for them. Like, when I choose not to, like, I, I, that's one of the things I look for in applying for them. Like, uh, do they have ethic standards? Do I believe in their values? Um, that's a good component for me. Or you, you also end up working for an organization that's very good at covering up their dirty work, too. Mm. Because they're not, you, you know, they're not just going to let everyone in on everything that they're doing. Do you think all companies are inherently unethical? No, I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into the, the evil man hypothesis that, you know, that there's like these people that are out to like cause harm to other people. Like we all benefit from each other. And sometimes, you know, people have to climb over other people's backs and they do so in dirty ways to get to where they want to be. But I don't think that at, at, at their inception, that the companies or the organizations or the systems or anybody is designed in, with intentional um, motivations to harm anybody. Mm. Every time when we talk about those evil stuff or like bad people, I look at my dog and I'm like, wow, she doesn't have an evil bone in her body. I can always, be, <laughs> I can always be like Sierra, awful love. I saw a Bolt yesterday, and Sierra kind of reminds me of Bolt. A Bolt. Bolt. Have you seen that movie? The little cartoon dog where the thing's in a hamster ball? Yeah. You gotta watch it. You you have Netflix, you have Bolt. B-O-L-T. Okay. Just watch it. Okay. With Sierra. <laughs> That's funny when there's the animals or, or like other dogs that make noise in, in the TV, she'll watch it. She'll be like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Who's saying? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think... It's a good thing that millennials, that all the things that happen to millennials and people have to respond because I think it's more indicative of the changing environment rather than the fact that millennials are the cause of it. In fact, I feel maybe we're biased because we're all millennials, but millennials, we adapt. And that's how, and baby boomers, they just have to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's here's the devil's advocate monkey wrench that i'm going to throw in there so if in the aggregate we know that millennials don't stick around for very long and i have a major project that's going to take nine years to complete am i going to hire a project manager who's a millennial Mm, maybe not well you can but you have to be this is what his advice is you have to know what is it the, the millennial wants out of the job Like, what do they get out of it? And you have to ensure that that's what you, you can honor that contract in them. But why, why do, why do the employers have to do that? They're, they're getting at it. They're getting something out of it because they're getting paid for the job. That's one way of looking at it. And, um, but if you want to keep that employer, like, let's say the person has the skill set that other people don't, and this is exactly what you need. They, his advice for baby boomers is you look for what is it that they want to get out from it and you make sure that you honor that part because that's what will keep them safe. Um, and I think it, co- it comes back to being authentic. No, I almost say authentic. This sounds cheesy, but authenticity. Authenticity. <laughs> authenticity. <laughs> authenticity. 
<laughs> being authentic and mm-hmm. idea that like you are what your agreement is because I, I think part of the reason why millennials bounce is that they, the companies don't really honor it they, they say something but they only follow through or do it um yeah I think it's hard sometimes like I know companies say certain things but there's also there's the personal thing where your managers truly do care about you but then at the same time there's also the finance aspect of it like mm-hmm. you can't just give everyone money all the time it's not like a realistic anything it's that's just not how the world works to a certain degree so I would say a part of it, yes, you wish you can be as dynamic as what it is. But then what I try to do is I'm not, I can't promise anything and I would never promise anything because it's not 100% in my control. Granted, people get pissed off about that type of thing. But at the same time, who am I to lie to you if it's it's literally not coming out of my paycheck? And if I were to be the boss of a company and yeah, I would want to give more people money to people, but everyone has a different perspective of what number means the best. And if we're just not making that much money, it doesn't mean that we don't care. It just means we don't have the money to give you that. So I think there is a balance between from the executive side to like the personal side. And especially for someone who has the opportunity to move because maybe another company is in a better spot right now. I think that's totally fine. And that's just the way of life. And you can't really take it too hard as someone in charge of other people. Yeah, I mean, but what you're saying, Courtney, is about being real. Like, you're not sugarcoating it. You're, you're telling it as it is. Um, I think in some ways that's a lot better than uh, having a boss who's, like, super nice to you and promise you and don't deliver. Because to me, that's more like, ugh, like, then why bother? Yeah, I think it's all about the management. Like, one thing that... I've noticed, like, and this is for me being uh, a management background student, right? Um, Is that, like, the current generation, um, like, we're not putting a lot of people in positions where, or giving them the skills that they need to effectively manage people the way that previous generations used to. Like, there used to be a whole lot about um, discussions of different types of management theories, um, and also, like, how to properly like recruit and retain people and um, talking about like the financial consequences of um, of turnover for instance and how much it it costs a company and I don't see that happening a lot like I I see a lot of people our age being trained a lot like on technical stuff so that they can meet like certain requirements on a job description but they don't have like the people or the management skills which I think is like the element it's so yeah. like a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, this company's unethical and they don't have a ball pit or a slide and I don't like them. But, you know, like if you have a really good manager somebody who mentors you, who takes time to listen to you, who really like is genuine about improving you and making you better, then that's that's that should be like more than enough to keep somebody in. I, I think. I don't know. Well, it depends because it depends on the level, right? Like I would say all of us are in a nice enough level where that's what means the most to us. But kind of to my earlier point before my phone decided to talk, um, it was that some people don't make enough where they need that kind of incremental money just to kind of survive in a certain environment, especially like, for example, we live in L.A., Google, everyone's coming down here, and now all of our rents are, like, ridiculously, probably not more than New York, Carl, I'm not going to kid myself, but it's still an issue, 
Mm-hmm. So, like, I can be the best manager that I can be. Maybe I could be, I could be, but like the the lay of the land still takes a factor into that. Yeah. Um, I, I read somewhere that being a manager is the worst position in a company because you have zero power and like all the responsibilities, um, and you really can't make and initiate any changes. You have to follow what the top down is, and you really don't have any say. Right. So I see like how someone could be stuck in that phase and be very um, disheartened by it. But also, um, you know, when we're talking, I think, I think it depends what millennial you are too. I think that's a big part because you can be the older millennial like us, or you can be the younger millennial millennials who's just starting out the career, and we're at completely different stages of life in, in terms of work. So are you saying Wait. that you're like the older millennial kind of borderline baby boomer? No, <laughs> silly. You're missing the Gen X. <laughs> they do exist too, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. there, there was a study, I don't know, it was a, a, a student that I was working with with her PhD, but she, it was a really interesting study because what we found was that, um, I mean, I was reading, I'm, I'm forgetting, but it was really interesting because when you break millennials down by the the the, the like smaller fragments, those who are born certain years actually a bit more conservative than their counterpart. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they look at work is a little bit different too. And it would make sense because um, when we graduated, it was literally during the economic financial crisis. Yeah. So where work was like really, really hard to get. Um, things were really, really bad, and we had a choice of either taking a really shitty job or going back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went back to school, but a lot of millennials didn't, and that actually shaped a lot of the way they look at about work. Mm-hmm. And um, but the earlier, younger millennials, they didn't have that experience. Um, so they they grew up doing the Obama years. But that that's, that's different, right? Yeah, I can see that. Makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, being born either late 80s or early 80s too. Mm-hmm. You know, just different different time periods overall. And di- different because yeah. people, I think people react to their environment too. And mm-hmm. uh, just like how systems and entities and organizations also react to, to the environment too. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I see a lot of big push for like, let's say increases in minimum wage, for example. Which is yeah. good, right? Because we're because things are getting expensive, but it, it creates another problem because now employers who are not able to pay a, more than a certain amount start to shut down. You know what I mean? So I, I feel yeah. like it's kind of it's kind of like a, it doesn't really address the root cause. the The root cause is not that people aren't getting paid enough that's the issue but it's not the root cause the root cause is that things are getting more expensive and that's not being addressed and governments are not very helping helpful in doing all those taking care of social expenses mm-hmm. and taking money away and and i guess the burden now is placing on companies to serve what government's supposed to do right as our like i guess our debate between um the political debate because of, um, because like if government were more effective in helping the social welfare, we wouldn't be having all these issues of income inequality, mm-hmm. low pay. Right. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah. we're now in the 20 minute mark in the episode. So do you want to move on to the bottom line? Sure. Okay, so since uh, Courtney had to step away for a minute, uh, we may have to wrap up the episode without her. But um, let's do the format where we did before and where we ask each other questions. So did you okay. wanna you wanna start and ask me the question first? No, you ask me since I started the thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the all right, let's think. Okay. So let's say you eventually become like the CEO of a major corporation, let's say, and you mm-hmm. know that millennials, right? aren't Mm -hmm. very likely to stick around for very long and that they're very like um you know socially conscious of certain things Mm -hmm. and your organization and this is totally beyond your control but was involved in like a fraudulent thing that you're working on cleaning up Uh so how do you how do you handle having like a large pool of employees who are socially conscious and if they are aware that something um if that the company was involved in something unethical you know like how do you do you deliver that message to them or do you not in order to preserve the peace oh okay so the question is um how what would i do if i had a company and I, my company is something unethical. Do I want to like sweep on the rug or own it? Um, what did I do it though as a leader? It did my company. I guess it's one of the same. Because did I know about it? Well, you know about it, right? And was, it, was I directly responsible for that the unethical? No, challenge? but you know, but you know that there could be an avertable um, like walkout. Or something like that. If you don't tell your staff what happened, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, or you can have a bigger issue if somebody does find out and you decide to not tell them. Well, I would do what I would want to like done for me if I was employed, and I would have a um, like a open mic conversation with my company, my team, and I just own it. Say, like, look, we made mistakes. This is what happened. This is what I'm gonna try to do to fix it. And it's opportunity to let out your grievances and let's go for it. Mm-hmm. So, because like it's not a human being of of by nature imperfect, right? That's why we're we're creating this earth. So it's okay to do unethical things, but if you don't admit to it or you don't try to fix it, then that's why it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And shit, I mean, shit's gonna happen. You're gonna do something you're not gonna be proud of. I mean, like. Who in us in this earth who's never been regretted anything that we've done in our lives? I mean, come on, be mm-hmm. realistic. Um, th- so that's what I would do. Okay. Yeah. What would you do? I would do the same thing. I would I would make sure that I speak to the staff before they find out about it, because uh, the element of surprise can be tricky and it can blow like dynamite. If somebody uh, else finds out about something, you have no control over who that person tells. And it can quickly escalate into something uglier. So I, I although a lot of leaders would opt for um, the ignorance is a bliss kind of thing, that doesn't work. 
in an environment where people have access to so much information all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, I would I would do kind of like what you're what you are suggesting. I would bring everybody together and be open about what happened before they find out about something, you know. And and I would also take that opportunity to ask them for ideas on how to fix it, even even if the truth is that they won't be able to fix it, like whatever the yeah. issue is. At yeah. least giving them that sense that they have some sort of say would be empowering enough that I feel that they would not be as upset than if they found yeah. out about it. Transparency is very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. company I was with, uh, we were we would get we were into, disintegrated by a larger company, and I, I I remember really valuing the CEO of our company because she was very transparent in what she wanted. She was like very clear and. Um, and she she told us every step of the way of how we're gonna be disintegrated and actually wrote her a message afterward and like you probably don't know me because I didn't get a chance to work with you but I was really honored by the, what you did and was really grateful and I wish you best of luck uh, and she's like I do remember know you you're great thank you this was a really nice message you made my day blah blah, blah. I was like ah see she's a human being just like me and we're trying to do the best we can mm-hmm. so Courtney your turn. What would you do if your company did something unethical and you're the boss of it? I was I was the one who did the unethical thing? Nope. You could be responsible, but uh, you're the I was just working there. I would probably ask for an explanation of what was happening and dependent on the factors that they did, I would then address it with my team with all the facts that I had because I believe in full transparency if it directly affects you. And then from there, depending on what the unethical thing was, like if it truly was a mistake or if it was something like coming from a malicious place, that would be a big part of it. If it was where it was coming from a malicious place, I would probably leave. Um, but that's what I would do. Mm. All right. Cool. Did you have any other any questions, Casey? Since we, we were, uh, Courtney, we were going to... Um, like ask each other questions as the bottom line. I do have one quick question. Do you think it's a good thing that millennials are having such a huge influence in the workplace? Because clearly all these shifts are happening because of millennials, um, whether you like it or not. Like, do you see that as a good thing? Who's the question directed to? Oh, or Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, you start. Okay, so then the question is, is it a good thing or a bad thing that millennials have influence in organizations? Yeah, such as this degree, where there are like tons of social studies, tons of social, like work improvement, all the things changing because of millennials. Okay, I think that the only reason why millennials do have th- this sort of degree of power is because we happen to be in the working age. When we get older going to be the next generation so i don't think we're that important indefinitely when we get older it's going to be the the people who are like in high school right now they're going to be the ones that are going to you know dominate the market and who would probably accept lower wages who will work more hours they'll have more skills than we do because all the stuff that we go to college for they're learning that in high school right now mm-hmm. so I, I just think that it's a matter of like whoever the young generation is you know what mm-hmm. I mean? In, in currently in society, because even when you think back to like civil rights, right? 
who dominated when it came to like the marches and the protests and all that stuff that created all of this like forward thinking civil rights stuff it was the young people it's always going to be the young people i don't think it's limited well, to millennials the only description to that is nobody cared about generation x and they were one between us and the boomers so just saying just saying <laughs> we we are the largest as well and we're very powerful consumer wise so it's all about us <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, would you be able to repeat it one time? Sorry, I'm a bit scattered. For everyone who's wondering why I keep going in and out, it's because my apartment is has water in it. Fun times. Hmm. That's dedication. <laughs> now, I was just wondering, do you think millennials are, it's a good thing that we're having such a big influence in the workplace? I feel like it's not a I think it's a good thing in which people have to learn how to adapt to different thinking. So I, to the millennial part itself, not so much, but to the ability that you have to adapt to different thinking and personas and things like that. I think that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Did you want to ask a question, Courtney? Um, I guess based on what you guys look for out of a job, since we're all millennials, what would make you stay? Wow. Carl. Casey, you shouldn't have to think about this this much because you like preach the millennial choir all the time. <laughs> Preaching the gospel. Um, for, so for, for me, um, something that would entice me to stay um, for sure is internal professional development opportunities. So if within the organization I can get like certificates to learn to do certain things and I can use my pay time to, to do it, it sends me the message that my employer cares about my development, you know, professionally or whatever, even if it's like building my skills so that I can do something else better within the organization too. Also, um, if there is like a clear trajectory to look forward to, that would also help me stay. In federal government, for example, they have like the GS, the general uh, service, the, the general salary, general service scale. So you know that you're going to be placed at a certain grade and that every year there's like a step. So, you know, like, oh, if I stay here for six years and three months and two days, how much you're going to make. So that will help to also contribute to, you know, on the one hand, it's good because you you know that time and service will equal higher pay. But it's bad because, you know, it like um, unproductive employees who are sitting right next to you will also get that same raise, too. So you want to be able to know that your efforts are also being rewarded as well. And um, also having a good supervisor. I, I think it makes all the difference in the world when you have a, a supervisor that's like a micromanager or that talks to you in a condescending way or doesn't let you like you know, spread your wings and really do the kind of work that, that you, that you um, can bring to the table to maximize your, your contributions to the organization. It can, it can really uh, make or break somebody's decision to stay. Wow. That's, that's really deep. The, the, you, I can see you think a lot about your job, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Honest, like, I, I'm sticking with this and that, not for this. <laughs> not you, not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay, for me, I don't know. Um, I thought that I like to say because the work is challenging, but the past few years I've been thinking a lot about work and um, 
I don't really know what makes me stay. Uh, it's definitely not the leadership because sometimes, you know, like I have, I've had often have really great managers and really good coworkers, but that's not the reason that I would stay. I think at this point in my life, I just, I like stability and, um, and just trying to be happy for me and not let work be my defining criteria. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Like, and I think Casey and I are probably on the same page about this. If you, uh-huh. if, if Courtney, if you were to ask Casey and I to create like two, two lists, like one list of reasons to stay in an organization and another list of reasons why we would leave, our reasons why we would leave would be like 10 pages mm-hmm. long. Like we, we know, we know exactly the environment that we hate being in. And when we mm-hmm. discover that we're in that environment, we're like, bye, gotta get out of here. Yeah. And to grow. What about you, Courtney? Um, I think I'm at the point where I make enough for now. I'm looking for someone who can develop me. And it's at that point where I think it's the same with the environment because I've worked in environments that, in hindsight, I'm kind of like, I really shouldn't have stayed there for so long. But mm-hmm. there's that. And then also, like, when you can actually trust someone to be like your boss and to guide you and stuff. And I think that's what I have at my current company, which is why I've been here so long, but also having someone who challenges you and makes you think outside of your current box. Cause I think there's too many people who take the easy way and they'll be like, Oh yeah, that's great. Courtney, that's smart. And then just continue doing that. But I don't need someone to tell me I'm doing good all the time. I need someone who's going to challenge me on a day today. So mm-hmm. once I feel like I'm no longer being challenged, that's when I know it's time to move. But at the same time, like there still has to be things I can generate where I have the opportunity to create new things on my own as well without having someone stunt me. So I think those are the things that are probably the most important to me. And as long as I have those opportunities, I'm willing to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, I don't know, I, I like my job. I work a lot, but I don't think I would be able to put in this many hours if I didn't like it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds more like the better question is what is, or what is not so much what's making you stay is what are you willing not to stick to like negotiate with and what are you will like what is like why are you leaving i guess that's more of a better question mm-hmm. that, you know because it seems like all our answers are like it's not so much the reason we're staying is the reason not to stay mm-hmm. yeah. that's true yep all right, great. Well, now we turn to our listeners. What do you think? Are there any ideas for what you want to hear on the show? Make sure to drop us a line at infoallergyresearchgroup.org and check out our website to learn about our awesome services for organizations and individuals. If you're interested in donating to our cause, Ology is a five is a five hundred one c three IRS tax exempt organization, so all donations are tax deductible. Until next time. <laughs>